We're starting a new series. Uh, uh, well, actually, it's part of the same series built around Ephesians chapter 6. And this is called Stand Strong in the Lord. So I'm going to share for the next few minutes about uh, the subject of how we stand. Because here in Ephesians chapter 6, he declares the word stand. And then he explains that we need to put on the full armour of God. And so over this series, we are going to work our way through uh, each piece of armour that is there. We the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, the shoes of the readiness of the gospel, the the, uh, shield of faith, and the sword of the Spirit. Have you ever wondered what these, uh, this armour is all about? Have you ever wondered what it's for and how we use it? Is it the kind of thing that when we're brushing our teeth in the morning, that we look into the mirror and say, and now, Lord, I put on my helmet of salvation, my breastplate of righteousness, my belt of truth, my shoes of the readiness of the gospel. I take up my shield of faith and my sword, which is the word of God, and I'm ready to go. Ding! And I'm ready. Is it just as simple as that? Is it just? I don't think so. But you know what? Even if you did do that, it may make a slight difference to your life as well, by the way. It reminds you that you're in a war. It reminds you that we're in a battle. And as Christians, we are in this war and we are in this battle. Let me remind you some points that I've made in previous sermons. First of all, let me remind you that we are at war. And let me remind you, and as we look this morning at the belt of truth, let me remind you that the enemy thrives on the soil of dishonesty. He thrives. Lies, deception. Go back right to Genesis chapter 3. You know that he thrives in this way. And you know that he works in that way. When you look at this and, and lying and dishonesty and not living a truthful existence in our lives creates all kinds of problems in our careers, creates all kinds of problems in our homes, creates problems in our marriages. It creates difficulties and problems right the way across. Probably one of the iconic people of the last century who was known, who got himself in a complete mess and problems because of dishonesty was, of course, Nixon. And we know what took place there with Watergate and so on. And somehow in the 20th century, that moment in history kind of defined the idea that that people in authority, you can't always trust them. We know that. But the truth is that we're at war. And Paul is writing this and he's saying, come on now, when you get ready that you are at war, the point is, is there is a way to fight and there's a way to be and there are things to wear and you need to put on the belt of truth. We all know the power of lies. Verse 10 of chapter 6 says, Finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces 
of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. So, when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then. Do you think Paul's trying to tell us something? That he wants Christians to stand to not be movable, to be firm, to have life. And maybe you're not a Christian or maybe you're coming back to Christianity. Can I remind you the joy of Christianity is that you've got something to stand on that will not ever let you down. You've got something to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist and the breastplate of righteousness in place. The belt of truth. Buckled, fastened around your waist. What does this belt represent? Well, first of all, let me just talk about this belt for a moment. Because it actually uses the phrase, and the Roman soldier, he's, he's talking about Roman soldiers. He's talking about what is taking place. And he's putting this belt around. And this belt was important because this belt held everything together in the life of a Roman soldier, Right? So he'd put on this belt and he would wear it. And when he was putting on this belt, he would fasten it. We'll get to that in a moment. But as he put this belt on, he would pull up all of his his robe, all of his inner garments, all of his cotton fabrics that he was wearing. And he would fasten everything together and pull everything together for a very simple reason. What's that reason? That if you allow your garments to flow down, you're in danger of tripping up. We know why we wear belts, don't we? When we wear belts, it stops our pants from falling down. And unless, we don't want that to happen, please, honestly, unless you're a 16-year-old boy. And and then they seem to walk around with their pants down and you can see the brand of their things. And so, I'm having a language problem right now. Underwear, because in England, trousers are never called pants. Anyway, don't go there. So... But you know, they, they walk around and they've got their, their jeans down and then you can see the Calvin Klein or they're looking cool. It's amazing how deluded a 16-year-old can be. And, and you see this and you want it. what do we want to do as older people? Even me now, I may not look old, but I'm old. I want to go, boy, pull your pants up. Here's the belt right now. Put this belt on. It will stop you from looking ridiculous. And, but I know it looks cool, so that's all right. You see, the belt holds everything to what? Together. The belt of truth is this. Because if you've got things hanging around you when you go into battle, what's going to happen? You are going to trip up. Ladies, you understand this, don't you? You're all dressed up. You're going out for a gorgeous dinner with your wonderful husband. And he's taking you to somewhere very posh, somewhere very wonderful. And you've got your long gown and you're off to IHOP. And um, (laughs) Manteo. I'm off to Manteo. 
with my husband, you've got a long gown, and it's, and it's not quite just the right length, and it's slightly dragging along the floor, and then you add stilettos to that, what happens? You can trip up. Because you've got things hanging around your feet, and when you go into battle, the last thing you want to do is trip up. Because if you trip up, you're in danger of dying in battle. The belt is there in life to say, this belt is critical because it enables you and stops you from tripping up in your Christian life. Even if you're not a Christian this morning, even if you haven't been in a church for, for years and you've just wandered into Willow Park Church and you've heard that it's a great place that loves to welcome everybody in the community, which is true, and I'm glad you are here. But even you know that dishonesty and the lack of truth in a person's life trips people up and ruins their lives. It has an effect. But what does it really mean then? Well, we'll start here. Paul does not want you as believers to trip up. So what does it mean? It means very simply, truth means doctrine. One reason we started the quip this morning with... Um, Dr. Blaine, and we're, we're working our way through an Old Testament survey of understanding is because of this. Because <clears throat> we want to go deeper. And when we go deep and we understand our doctrine, doctrine and truth holds us together and stops us from tripping up. That may seem obvious, but for often in today's society, it's not... Because often we can be tossed around by all kinds of ideas and thoughts. And yet what Paul wants to make the point is that you need to know what you believe, why you believe, and why the church believes the, the fundamentals and the orthodoxy of the church. We believe in things, we believe in doctrines that are born in the heart of God. Therefore, truth keeps us safe from tripping up against the enemy because when you know what you believe and why you believe it, it makes a difference to the way that you live and go into battle. You know, there are obvious theologies like substitutional atonement. It's the fact that Christ died for the sins of the world. There are theologies about the the divinity of Christ, that Christ is God incarnate. There are theologies about the Trinity, theologies about baptism, theology that we hold dear about the sovereignty of God. These theologies are good, they are strong, but more than that, when you understand them and when you understand what you believe and why you believe it, it stops you from being tripped up by the lies of the enemy. Revelation of Scripture. You understand the fullness of the revelation of how Christ fits into Scripture. You understand how his centrality of Jesus is for Scripture. And there is so much stuff floating around that it's so easy to become sucked in to fads and isms and little, uh, little ways of going in your thinking that can, can take you away from the beauty and the glory of truth. True doctrine. Jesus said, what did he say in John 14 verse 6? I am the truth. Didn't he? He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
It's talking about this. When you understand truth and you understand Jesus and you understand doctrine, actually this shouldn't be boring to us to become study and to become approved and to understand scripture and to know how it fits together is absolutely key to becoming a spiritual warrior for Christ. Absolutely. And if you think, well, I'm a little weak in this area or I'm not, I don't understand this. This church provides every opportunity for you, whether it's hearing God and teaching you how to use scripture and listen to God's voice, whether it's encounter God, understanding how you can deal with your sin and repentance and how to deal with your garbage, whether it's equip that gives you in-depth overview of the Old Testament and, and hopefully next year the New Testament as we build this, these programs. We want to equip you. There is Alpha that teaches you the fundamentals fundamentals and the beginnings of the Christian faith. We've got all these things in place and the reason is we do not want you to trip up. We want you to be strong as you go into battle. But there's another side to the belt and this other side has to be the word truth linked to honesty, sincerity, Truthfulness, integrity in the kind of people that we are. This world needs people of honesty and integrity. This world needs people who aren't just willing to spin something, but are willing to stand there in humility and in love and in honesty and be able to be true. What do I mean by all of this? Well, as Christians, we are called to mimic Christ. We are called to mimic Christ. We are called to reflect the glory of God through our lives, his faithfulness, his love, his strength. And when you, as you become refined by the sanctification and the work of the Holy Spirit within your life. And if you're not a Christian, let me explain this. When you become a Christian, you receive the Holy Spirit. When you receive the Holy Spirit, he starts to do what every Canadian loves to do. Renovate. Loves it. And the Holy Spirit comes into you and he starts to renovate you. And he starts to change you. And he starts to deal with the inconsistencies. He starts to turn your character so it reflects the character of God. And there we get the fruit of the Spirit. And it starts to move in your life and make a difference. I love it. And because human beings so easily give themselves over to slight dishonesty. Do you remember the first big lie that you told? The first act of, of lack of integrity you did? I do. I'm going to confess to you now. I was five. It goes back a long time. I've got a lot of junk to deal with. I was five and I just got off the bottle the milk bottle, and sorry, I can't resist that. It's terrible. If my wife is present, forgive me. Uh, a terrible joke, but true. I'd gone to school. I'd gone to a school called Ham Dingle. I know 
Hamdingle Elementary School. You're wondering, how do you put a ham and a dingle together? And then you're wondering, what is a dingle? Well, it's a small, ancient wood. So the school was next to a small wood with a stream. And the ham, it's obvious, isn't it? I have no idea. So, I'm sure it's some Anglo-Saxon ancient word. I went to Ham Dingle in my little school uniform as a little boy, blue, blue v-neck. We all dressed the same. We were just all peas in a pod. Five years old at school. My friend Stuart came to school with a really nice new watch. And he had the habit of taking off his watch and leaving it everywhere. And I quite like this watch. And I was young, opportunist. And one day I felt, I'd just borrow this watch. And I popped it on. And I took it home. And my mom found it in my bedroom. She said, what are you doing with this watch? I said, oh, yeah, I found it. <laughs> oh, yes. A phone call from the school. I remember that moment I had to go in and sit in my little blue tie with my teacher. Her name was Jill. I do know Jill. She was my elementary school teacher. Years later, she would get saved and be a member of my church. So it was, but it had nothing to do with my watch stealing. <laughs> and I sat there with Jill, and I sat there with Mom, and I sat there with myself, and they were saying, you, you stole this watch. Why? What made you do this? I didn't want to tell the truth. I stole it because... I wanted it, right? I just took it. No. And then the teacher said, I know one of your close relatives has passed away recently. And I went, did it have something to do with that? And that was the first time in my life that I realized that you could spin something to get out of a difficult situation. Is that what it is, Philip? Is it grief? And I went, yes. <laughs> and inside I'm going, yes. I look like a broken, poor individual, stricken with grief at five years old. What does that tell you? It tells you that you need to pray for your pastor. But it tells you... That even at the moment of when we are small, we know how to live without integrity and sincerity at the depth of who we are. You see, let your yes be yes and your no be no. You see, if you live with untruthfulness and insincerity and lack, how, lack that that sense of what God is calling you to be, you are in danger of tripping up. Let me explain this a bit more because Paul's obviously, when he writes this, he's got something in mind. And you'll see this as we go through this. Look at Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 14. This is important to him that we get our truth correct and we are truthful in the way that we live, but along with our truthfulness, we're also full of love. It says, verse 14, 
then he will no longer be then you will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and the craftiness of people in their deceitful craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming i love this verse verse 14 there it is i love this verse Paul is brilliant here. Paul gives us three metaphors in one sentence. You can't get better than that, can you? You know how we talk about Paul loving metaphors and images? Here we go. Then we will no longer be infants. First of all, he's saying truth is really important because when you have truth and understanding of who you are, you are no longer an infant, but you are now mature. The aim of every one of us in Christ Jesus is to become mature believers. He then says next, not tossed around by every wave. In other words, he's saying you are a boat in the world. And if you lack truth and you lack understanding and you lack integrity, you will be tossed around like a boat in the ways. Number three, he then talks about the craftiness of men in their deceitful ways. In other words, he talks about the reality that the lack of truth makes us vulnerable to the hustler who comes to bring us lies and deception into our lives. So he's trying to make it pretty clear to us that as believers, truth is critical to the way that we live our lives. Verse 15, instead speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head that is Christ. Speaking the doctrine, speaking the message, speaking the truth of God in love. Now, can I just say that as I look at this verse, speaking the truth in love has often been a phrase used to wound people. I've discovered something that if I'm going to speak the truth in love, I better love that person. And the problem is, is that often people speak the truth in love and really you know that they don't love you, right? They don't. It's like this, and, and sometimes we only win the right to really speak truth in love if we really do love people with an unconditional love that you are with them, that you support them, and that you are utterly committed to them. You see, I may speak truth in love, but often it can be a very wounding experience. Somebody will come up to you, and I'm sure you've experienced it, and they say, brother, I just want to share something with you in love. And they emphasize the word love. See, I don't mind feedback from congregation, even if it's not good feedback. I like feedback. I appreciate it. When something goes wrong, I like to know what's gone wrong. I don't mind that. What What I often know I'm in trouble is when occasionally, I've probably had three of these in five years, I get a letter off somebody and I know I'm in trouble when the letter says at the top, I write this in love. And then when I look for a name and address, there is no name and address. 
So I write it in love. I love you so much that I'm not going to tell you who I am. Because <laughs> I am a Christian sniper and stalker who is sending you little messages from the Lord in love, but I am invisible. You don't know who I am. Or even where I've got my little cutouts of paper and stuck them together. (laughs) Call me crazy or something, but I was always taught that if I wrote a letter, I would always put my name and my address on it. So I always know I'm in trouble when when I read that. Okay, here it goes. And it's usually something pretty extreme out there, which 99% of you would think is absolutely ridiculous. But it comes like this. Let me cheer you in love. I just noticed, brother, and then, oh, and then it starts. I didn't like this. I didn't like that. I really felt you did that wrong. You need to sort this out. You need to do this. Oh, you know, and I say all of this in love. <laughs> Who's been wounded by that? You don't have to put your hands up. You see... You've got to be careful, and I have to be careful, that when we use the word in love, truth in love, that it's done with love and humility, that there is no arrogance, that there's no pride, that there is, you read 1 Corinthians 13 and you work out what he means about the way we should treat each other. We should treat each other in love. But truth is critical to this. Instead, speak the truth in love. We will in all things grow up into him who is the head that is Christ. And I really believe this. I believe that when I'm trying to teach you, I believe that when I'm trying to interact with you, I really believe that what I'm trying to do is share reality, also in love, and never pointing people out and making them feel rubbish or condemning in that way, but allowing the Holy Spirit to give the conviction in our lives. And it's about this importance in our lives that we look for integrity, we honesty, that in our lives we learn to say and know that it's all right to be truthful. Can I tell you that truthfulness is important in marriage and in relationships? You know, Michelle says something to me and I react. What do you mean? And I, what do I do? I interrupt because my opinion is there. I interrupt and I go, yes, but, and she'll often say to me, stop a minute. It's okay for me to feel the way I feel about this problem or this issue. And it's okay for me to verbalize the truth of it. Because if I verbalize the truth of the problem we're facing, we actually bring truth in the situation. And when you've got truth in the situation, you can bring Christ into the situation. And when you've got Christ in the situation, you can see the victory of Christ come with that problem. You see? How important truth is. Many problems in many relationships happen because there's not real sincerity and honesty at the root of what is taking place. And when there is hidden resentment, when there is hidden 
frustration, when there is hidden feelings that aren't being verbalized truthfully, it creates a pressure cooker or a bottle of of soda that gets shaken and one day it explodes. No wonder he says, get your doctrine right and get your life right and tie everything up that's hanging around your feet because walking in honesty, walking in integrity because you are at war and there's an enemy out there that wants to slaughter you. The belt itself. When they would put the belt on, it looked like an apron. It more went, uh, it went underneath and it looked like an apron. And, and it, it's, the belt itself speaks of two things I want to mention to you to close. It speaks of what? Well, first of all, it speaks of vigorous activity for a Roman soldier. In other words, when they've got their belt on and are ready and they've fastened it to themselves, they are now ready for vigorous activity in warfare. That's why it's so important that when you really pray about issues and you go to war on those issues, that you deal with all the lies connected with those issues and you are truthful and honest about your own heart. And once you've dealt with all your stuff, you can go to war because you are, can be vigorous and aggressive in your prayers because you've dealt with your own inconsistency of the kind of people that we all are. So that's important. But the choice in the wording is fasten your belt. In other words, you have to choose to fasten truth to your life every day. You have to choose to fashion, fasten it. When you're in a conversation, you know you've got a choice. Just as I did at five years old, I remember the moment I had a choice. I wasn't, of course, I had no Christian experience in my life. But at that moment, I had a choice whether to belt up and fasten up because when you know when you belt up and put this belt on, it protects you against what will take place and it enables you to be vigorous and open and free in your Christian walk. As the great theologian Mark Twain once wrote, if you never tell a lie, you never have to remember anything, right? It's the only time I'll quote Mark. But, Twain, it's true, isn't it? You're ready to do battle because of truth. The second thing about this belt in the context of the historical context is this. That the belt represented a sense that you are now prepared to go on the march and on the parade and on the road to do what you're being asked to do. And when you have truth of the word of God and you have truth of doctrine at work in your life and you have truth of God working within you, you are ready to march. You're ready. 
along those long Roman highways that were built all over Europe to move quickly and ready, but it depended on the being prepared. And so, in our walk, we have to be willing to, to what? Self-examination. We've got to be willing to look at ourselves and say, Lord, where do I lack in areas? Where do I lack in integrity? Where do I lack in truthfulness? Where do I lack in biblical knowledge? Where do I lack in, in doctrine? Because this belt holds your whole life together in truth. It's not about self-centric, egotistic thinking in the kingdom of God. It's about examining your inner heart through repentance and confession, through true worship and intimacy with God. Because if we don't get our integrity right, and we don't get our fundamental, our theology right, we're in danger of being slaughtered by the enemy because he'll take us out because he's the king of all lies and he thrives on the soil of dishonesty and and deception. And so we have a choice. Say, Lord, I choose every day to fasten up. I choose every day to make a difference. I choose every day to walk with the Lord. Let's stand together.